Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 20 of Revelation chapter 6. And I'm going to read from verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. We've been discussing the great earthquake in the last couple of studies, and we've seen how God um, ties together a spiritual great earthquake with the darkening of the sun and moon and the falling of the stars. And the great earthquake points to the fall of Babylon or the fall of the kingdom of Satan who was ruling over this world and the release, the deliverance of all of the captives of all of God's elect, the great multitude that God saved by the time that May 21, 2011 came and, and Judgment Day began. By that time, God had saved all of his elect, the entire company of those whose names were recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, we, I just want to look at one last place before we move on um, in, in discussing the other details in our verse, and that's in Ezekiel chapter 37. And um, I want to look at this passage because it relates to the great earthquake. In Ezekiel chapter 37, it begins in verse 1, The hand of Jehovah was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of Jehovah and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord Jehovah, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of Jehovah. Now this is a a picture that God is giving us as he is giving Ezekiel this vision of a valley full of dry bones. And if it's a valley full of dry bones, it means it's a valley full of dead people. And this is a good, vivid illustration of the spiritual condition of mankind. We are dead in trespasses and sins. We are very dead. There is no life in us at all. Due to our fall into sin, we, we have died spiritually. We have died in our soul existence. And, and so the Lord has a plan uh, to evangelize the world, to send forth his word. And that would be prophesying as he moves in his people to carry forth the word of God to the nations of the world as he did this throughout time, really, and throughout especially the New Testament church age and and also during the Great Tribulation period, they are commanded, the people of God, to prophesy to the dead, the spiritually dead of the world. And amongst that number of, uh, well, in our day of around 7 billion people, there were God's elect. 
and it was God's plan to raise them from the dead, first with a spiritual resurrection of their soul. And, and no one could see this resurrection because it would take place in their soul existence in the spiritual realm in that area of man that is invisible. And so the Lord had his people carry forth the gospel message, especially in the days leading up to May 21, 2011. There was a last um, furious effort that God stirred up within his people to proclaim the message of Judgment Day, to proclaim the conclusion of God's salvation plan, and and therefore there was a desperate urgency, get this message out, blow the trumpet, and warn the people. And by that message, God would, um, having his people prophesy, bring to life those elect that were amongst the people of the of the world hearing this news. And and this is what's in view here in Ezekiel 37. Again, the end of verse 4 says, O ye dry bones, hear the word of Jehovah. And then in verse 5, Thus saith the Lord Jehovah unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. And shall know that I am Jehovah. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. Now I want to stop here and comment on the word shaking. This is Strong's number 7494. It's a word that is also translated as earthquake. And and we see that Ezekiel, who um, is representative of the people of God, as God commands his people to prophesy, to carry the message of the Bible to the dead, and in this case Ezekiel is carrying it to dead dry bones that God says will live in, in the case of our time, we carried the message to the spiritually dead. And there was a shaking, behold, a shaking, following the prophesying. That is, the prophesying was proclaimed, and soon after, a shaking, an earthquake. And as a result of this prophesying, and in conjunction with an earthquake, the bones came together bone to his bone. Now notice the personal pronoun his at the end of verse 7. Bone to his bone. Remember what the Bible says. We are um, a flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. Well, it doesn't say that exactly. Actually, God uses this figure when speaking of Christ and his eternal bride, the the body of believers, the eternal church. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says in verse 28, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, 
but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We become one flesh with Christ when he saves us. We we become part of his body. It is the for salvation, we could say, as God has saved the uh, chosen individuals, those that he selected, predestinated to receive it from before the world began. Salvation is the formation of the body of Christ. And in Ezekiel 37, the prophesying brings these dead bones together, bone to his bone. His bone referring to the Lord. The body of Christ is taking shape. And then it says, um, well, let's, let's read verse 9. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord Jehovah, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Now this can only be a reference to the great multitude that God said would be saved and come out of great tribulation. He mentions that in Revelation chapter 7. And here, as a result of Ezekiel prophesying, and as a result of an earthquake which which formed the bones, and they came together bone to his bone, there stood upon their feet an exceeding great army, the great multitude. And then it says in verse 11 of Ezekiel 37, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. This is a picture of the completion of God's um, uh, plan to save everyone that he intended to save. And we can't help but notice that an earthquake is in view with the final formation of the body of Christ. And, and that relates to the earthquake in Acts chapter 16, that miraculous, uh, incredible earthquake that caused no damage that, that we read about. Uh, there could have been other damage in the city, but God doesn't record it. It, it only accomplished to, to open the prison doors and to, uh, free the prisoners from their shackles, from their bonds. And this points to God freeing his people from the kingdom of Satan, from that dark dungeon of despair where these poor sinners were held captive, ensnared to sin and to Satan, having been taken captive by him at his will. But now the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made them free, and they shall be free indeed. They are delivered, for Babylon has fallen. And all of the spiritual Jews, the Israel of God, are set free. As the 
uh, period of the Great Tribulation identifies with the end of the 70-year period of Jewish captivity. And now God's people are free. The great earthquake has released them. The day of judgment has come. God has won the victory over Satan, over the forces of the enemy, and he is victorious. The Lord Jesus is exalted now to rule over all that Satan previously was ruling over in this world and in the church. Jesus now rules. Yes, he rules with a rod of iron, but he rules. He is the supreme ruler over all. And Satan has been put down. Well, let's go back to Revelation 6, verse 12. Again, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And then in verse 13, And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Well, now we're getting to a point in the study of the book of Revelation where God is going to go in depth in a detailed discussion concerning Judgment Day. And we're going to find much discussion of this in the following chapters. And this verse is telling us about the Day of Judgment and what we can expect will be the uh, spiritual condition of the world throughout the prolonged period of Judgment Day, which we have come to learn uh, and have an expectation that it will be a 1600 days and and during this time it can be said that um it it is it is a time of darkness it is a time where the lights of the gospel are out but before we we just um quickly uh, give the spiritual meaning to this and and move on let's take our time with going to the Bible and showing how God uh, uses the sun, moon, and stars in the scriptures to finally teach us what we have come to learn, that they represent the complete removal of the gospel. But let's, let's just back up and go right to the very beginning to see how God speaks of the sun, moon, and stars as he created them back in Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis 1, it says in verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven, to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw 
that it was good. We see here that the sun, the moon, and the stars were created with a purpose for signs, for seasons, for days, and years. They are created as timekeepers, and they've performed their task very well, even now, uh, this this um, late date, we could say, this long period of time from our perspective, from the very beginning of the creation, uh, and we know that the world was created in 11,013 B.C., and we know we're living presently in the year 2013 A.D., and we know this uh, uh, because the timekeepers are very precise, and they perform the operation that God created them to perform. They they do it very well. God um, has established the times and the seasons. For instance, the length of a year is 365.2422 days, because th- this can be measured and and known because of the precise movements of the celestial bodies that God speaks about here, that they were given for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And the day has twenty four hours and and the the length of a lunar month can be exactly calculated. And this allows for men to keep track of time. And it allowed for God to place within the Bible a biblical calendar of history that could be linked with the movements of the sun, the moon, and the stars in order to develop seasons. As God speaks of times and seasons, uh, for instance, in... First Thessalonians, in chapter 5, it says in verse 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. And then it goes on to say in verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The times and the seasons, these have been controlled by God. They've been kept In the Father's hand, as it says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. And some people like to uh, refer to this verse to uh, prove they think that no one can know the day or hour. Well, you see, It says it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, so you shouldn't look. They declare you you shouldn't even look into the Bible. You're doing wrong. You must stop. You you can never know. And all that is completely wrong, and it, it really reveals their carelessness with the Scriptures because they're reading the English and they're not going deeper to the original Greek. And when you go to the Greek, it does not say it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. That is a wrong 
it were an incorrect translation. Literally, this is a Greek genitive case, and it reads, It is not of you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. And and God is basically stating a, a very true principle, that the times and seasons of the Bible are not uh, of man. Man doesn't know them of himself. He can never figure them out on his own, but they are of God. They're under his own power and authority, and and yet God is not saying that we can never know. He's just uh, uh, indicating the source of times and seasons is not man, but himself. And we know from many other scriptures, many other places in the Bible, that God reveals times and seasons at at the appropriate point. For instance, um, there there was a time in a season, a certain time in a season, when the Messiah was to come, when the Lord Jesus Christ was to be born. The Lord's people longed for this day for thousands of years, and they they did not know the timing of the event until the time came. And then we read in. Luke chapter 2, and verse 25, and this is when Christ was born. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And this is letting us know that that man of himself has no idea, could never know when Christ would be born the first time or when he would come the last time to end the world, when he would come in judgment. But God revealed it unto Simeon. God revealed it unto his servant, the prophet, as He says in Amos chapter 3 and verse 7, The Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants the prophet. And this was the case with the birth of the Lord Jesus, with the birth of the Messiah, with the revelation of the proper time and season for that grand event. And, well, while we're discussing that, remember also Matthew 2. And verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. 
And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born, and they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And then it says um, in verse 9, When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Can you imagine that that there are some that say it's not for you to know the times or the seasons? Well, if it's not for us to know when Christ would return and come the second time, then we would we would understand that it would not be for the people of that day to have known the coming of the Lord Jesus the first time. And yet we find that Simeon had foreknowledge. God had revealed to him he would not die without seeing the Lord's anointed, that the wise men were uh, given a very dramatic and glorious indicator from God, from heaven itself, as a miraculous star showed itself, and they followed that star right to the Messiah's house. And how could these things be? And there were others also, Anna, and, and certainly the, the shepherds that were tending their flock by night. How is it that God revealed the time and season of the birth of the Lord Jesus to his people? And of course, there were uh, individuals like Herod and and the chief priests and scribes who knew the scriptures and yet they didn't follow the wise men to worship the the birth of the Messiah. They uh, were not true men at all. They didn't want the Messiah to come the first time. They probably would have had many things to say against it. And we we see later during the life and ministry of Christ that they did speak against him and did not accept the fact that he had come in the proper time and season. They denied the time and season of the the Messiah's coming. They denied it even when he stood right before them. And, and so it's no wonder that history, in a sense, has repeated itself at the time of the end when God opens the scriptures and reveals once again following the pattern he has established in his word, the Bible, the proper time and season for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, then judgment day. God revealed the judgment time upon the church and the judgment time upon the world and the end of the world. And the scribes and Pharisees, no, not not the Jews, but who they represent, the rulers of the churches and congregations deny these things vehemently. No, you cannot know the day or hour. They, they insist and, and really, uh, they, uh, just are following in the traditions of their spiritual fathers, the blind scribes and Pharisees as Christ condemned them in Matthew chapter 23.